Hello, this is Josh Buck with the Welcome Business Podcast. On today's podcast, we are, I think, almost want to just say blessed to have a uh, just a wonderful guest uh, with us. Uh, her name is Pam Jordan. And uh, for some of the people, I guess, in our mutual circle is going to know who you are, uh, for probably for many of you may not know who Pam is. As a uh, as an owner of an accounting firm, uh, one of the kind of the, one of the big pain points we have is really trying to deliver uh, for our clients in a in a little bit of a different way than kind of what we're normally able to do. And normally, as, a, as an accounting firm, uh, we'll uh, we'll sit there and we'll, we'll we're focused on tax, we'll tax strategy, we may be generating financial statements, that type of thing. But many times, we need to bring somebody in uh, or uh, send a client to someone who really can uh, help them dig into their numbers, really kind of define their vision, their purpose, their passion, uh, really kind of help them uh, really identify where they're trying to go with this business, maybe moving them to the to the legacy or to the exit piece. And it's kind of not a really an area that traditionally accounting firms are, are really that good at. And where, uh, where what Pam has done is really uh, kind of taken a lot of these pain points and really just become a, an expert in addressing these, uh, addressing, I've seen this firsthand now with uh, with some of our clients that Pam has uh, had the opportunity to work with, uh, and really kind of helping them kind of sharpen, define those goals, their purpose, their passion, and then uh, kind of defining a little bit the numbers they should look at inside of their business and helping them get to where they want to be. So uh, Pam Jordan is a uh, no-nonsense financial expert and speaker. Pam specializes in analyzing and streamlining the back end of fast-growing companies, as well as efficiently creating more profit and strategic growth. Pam has an MBA from Elon University and has been honored with numerous awards and accolades, including Outstanding Business and Financial Executive of the Year, Financial Executive of the Year, uh, and 40 Under 40 in the Triad Business Journal. She has been featured on Entrepreneur.com, as well as podcasts such as the Digital Marketer and Business Lunch with Roland Frazier. She is also a certified Profit First Professional and Empire Operating System Coach. Over seven years ago, Pam started Pivot Business Group, carrying the title and founder of CEO. She works day in and day out to identify and eliminate errors, create financial business, uh, create financial businesses can trust, and work with their clients long-term to manage growth and profit. Pam recognizes that most entrepreneurs begin their business based on an idea or passion. This being the case, many of them are not interested in the financial side of running a company. That's where the Pivot Team steps in. They focus on untangling businesses' finances while you continue to grow your company, create ideas, and take over the industry. Pam and her team manage over half a billion dollars for entrepreneurs. That's impressive. Uh, Pam and her husband, Nick, uh, met while Pam was in her junior year of college and been together ever since, and together they have three children. So, um, all right, so let's kind of hop into this a little bit, um, and uh, I know kind of... Uh, Kind of in preparing for this podcast, I went to your uh, went to your your webpage, and I noticed you had put on there that uh, you kind of started your journey working for a company that essentially just ended up just went up in flames. I think is how you term uh, how you uh, how you mentioned that, and then ended up uh, transitioning to actually working with business owners, trying to help uh, put out fires, put out the flames uh, in their business. Tell us a little bit about your journey, kind of that way we kind of get to know you just a little bit better. Sure. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. So my journey started in corporate, specifically in the construction industry, and we um, had a good run, grew 99 employees, multiple millions. Um, but unfortunately, due to some bad decisions and some um, bad estimates, the company had to file bankruptcy. And so that was a very hard season of life. But we worked very hard, tried to get through it. It didn't work. Um, we were able to protect all the assets of the owner. I was able to get all my guys jobs. But at the end of the day, I was left standing with, oh, crap, now I have to go get a job. And so there's a couple light bulb moments that came directly from that it was one is I would not wish 
bankruptcy on any small business owner ever. And I wanted to do anything I could to never let that happen again. And I also realized that I had a skill set that I could use to help educate business owners and entrepreneurs not to get in that courtroom. And I decided also that I wanted to create my own legacy instead of just working for someone else in their company. And so that's where I started Pivot Business Group. Wonderful. So, uh, so after you um, kind of ended up, I mean, got all the forced exit, uh, that particular seat and working for that business, you transitioned right into this? Yes, kind of I went straight into starting. Um, I learned about fractional CFO work, which is a f- fractional chief financial officer. And I realized that that's a missing piece in a lot of small businesses because the business owner is a rock star and really good at what they do, but no one ever taught them finance. No one ever taught them accounting. No one ever helped them understand how to read their financial statements and what's important and what's not and how to know what to track. And so um, I realized that I had that skill set and I wanted to go out and help people understand their numbers so they would not end up in that courtroom. We were in a room last week and I don't know if we, um, it was one of the breakout sessions and, and I don't know if you had the opportunity to, uh, to, to hear Larry uh, Yatch when he spoke, but I, I know when he, when he led, uh, when he led his talk, he, he asked the room, you know, why did you get into business? And, uh, you know, we're kind of right off the bat. I know at least in the, in the session I was in, somebody spoke up immediately and said the word freedom. Yes. And so a lot of business owners get in and they say, okay, well, uh, I'm, I'm going to get into business because I want freedom. And many times they go into it and they, they fail to realize that, okay, now you're going to go from working from, you know, for, four, uh, for 40 hours, working for somebody else, to now you have hundreds of people that you're responsible for. And now you traded that 40 hours a week for 80 hours a week or 100 hours a week or whatever it takes, especially early yes. on when you're an owner operating your business. So uh, when, you, uh, when we think about um, uh, a, a business owner wanting, you know, to kind of get into this or looking for freedom, they may have a kind of an idea as far as this is, you know, what I want to do to change the world or at least uh, my world, right? Sure. And uh, so um, how do you help businesses, uh, a business owner define, uh, define freedom, uh, determine their purpose and, and leave a legacy? Because I know that's one question we get asked a lot. So they start to see success a little bit in business is however they may define uh, success. Yeah, but they're kind of like, all right, well, did I really truly define my purpose? Am I really moving toward freedom? So how do you help the, a business owner define that and then also pursue it? Yeah, great question. So we start with our clients digging into what their goals are. What do you really want? We all want freedom. We all want more money. Got it. Why? What's important to you? What sort of lifestyle do you want to have? now and in the future. When this company grows up, what do you want it to look like? And so we try to dig in and figure out what's the root of that entrepreneur's motivation. And sometimes it's, you know, they came from nothing and want to prove themselves. And sometimes it's, they have a scarcity mindset. Sometimes it's, they want all the shiny things that money can bring. And some people are out for significance. And so they're wanting to make an impact in the world and money is how you can do that. And then there's other people that want to build a legacy for their children and wealth. So it, there's lots of different reasons that people start their company. And so we help them dig into what success looks like and what their goals are so we can help craft a plan for them to get there. Because it's it's like, if we don't know what you want to be when you grow up, how can we help you get there? Um, so I'm assuming that's primarily the next question here is what role uh, should a fractional CFO have? Um, or when is a 
business owner, they're kind of looking at what they have going on that they just, they, you know, make the decision, should I get a fractional CFO? What exactly is a fractional CFO? Sure. So one of the major roles that a fractional CFO plays is we're kind of like the co-pilot in the car. Say you as a business owner want to drive to Florida to go to Disney. Okay. Well, we're the one that pulls out the map and helps craft out the, the road of, and the turns and then which exits and where we're going to stay and how we're going to get there. And then as the owner is driving their company and they have an opportunity, they're like, oh, but look over here, there's the biggest ball of yarn. You know, what is that going to look like? And your fractional CFO runs analysis, looks at the map and like, okay, well, that's going to take, you know, add two days to our trip. Yeah. Let's, you know, you want to do it? Yes or no. Okay. Take a left. And so we're partnering with the business owner and bringing our financial expertise and analysis to the table so that they can make better decisions. And as to when business owners need a fractional CFO, like yesterday, because business owners need to focus on what they're good at, where their strengths are, and they need to delegate, outsource, or hire for their weaknesses. I am awful at marketing. So I have a marketing team and I don't try to pretend that I can build a funnel and do ads and all these things. And for some reason, business owners feel like the accounting and the finance, they, they should know. And so they try to wing it and then it gets them into deeper problems. So a lot of people come to us because they're at a stuck point because their numbers matter. And they have to show them to someone. I spoke with some business owners today where they want investor money. Well, they haven't done their true accounting in two years. So they have nothing to show someone that will entice them to write them a big check. So there's lots of things that a CFO can bring to the table. But at the root of it, it's you are ready for a true strategy of where to go forward and how to get you where you want to go. We've, uh, we've heard that phrase and you probably used it. I know I've used it many times, that phrase of knowing your numbers. Yes. And so a business owner needs to know their numbers. And uh, I've heard this presented um, in good ways. I've also heard it presented in, in, in poor ways as far as uh, what exactly that means. But when you, uh, when you hear that phrase, knowing your numbers, or if you use that phrase with your, with your clients, uh, what, does, what does that phrase exactly mean to know your numbers? Sure. So I think to know your numbers the numbers change for everybody because the numbers that I track for my company are very different than the next business owner. So when we say know your numbers, what we mean is let's dig in and figure out what numbers tip the scale for you. What numbers do we need to track for you that make a difference for you and your company and get you closer to your goals? So for some business owners, it's you need to know what your sales were. For other business owners, the number that you need to know is how many proposals went out, how many sales calls, how um, you know, how many clients that you had walk in the door. There's lots of metrics to count. And so when we say know your numbers, I'm not necessarily saying, show me your PL and income and balance sheet and tell me about your liabilities. Like that's not what business owners want to be focused on. And so when we talk about knowing your numbers, it's five to 10 key performance indicators, KPIs that we encourage our clients to track that they can see, okay, I'm, everything's going well. Why did this one go below 10? Okay, figure out why. So knowing your numbers isn't necessarily looking at a financial statement, understanding what it means. Knowing your numbers is tracking what's truly important for you as the business owner to know. A question that, that we get asked sometimes uh, as it relates to, and you mentioned KPIs, or uh, I've talked about in the podcast before, you know, OKRs, and it's kind of the different, different acronyms that get thrown around out there as far as these different types of numbers. And of course, the, the question I get asked a lot is, well, you know, what, what numbers, you know, should I be looking at? 
And um, is, is it a situation for a business owner that kind of depending on, you know, what type of business they're in, and you and I were chatting earlier about a manufacturing business uh, versus, you know, we have a lot of clients in the real estate industry uh, versus those that are businesses like yours or mine that are service industries. Uh, so that would also, that would, I'm assuming that would dictate part of the numbers they should be looking at as well as also maybe what those goals are, both uh, short, mid and long term. Exactly. Yeah. We have a real estate investor that um, wholesales um, modular homes. And so the numbers that we track for him are very different than the client that has a brick and mortar spa, you know? And so when people say, oh, track these five things and it's perfect, you know, all your problems will be solved. That's not the case because tracking those five things might not be what's important for you. So what I encourage people to do is look at their business and dive in and figure out what numbers matter. We have a client that's in the call center and the numbers that we track for them are very different than our manufacturing clients. You know, they want to know how many people they have on the phones, how many calls do they do, you know, various numbers. So it is industry specific and it's also company specific. And it's also specific based on where you want to take your company. Because if you want to sell your company in three years, you need to be tracking very different numbers than if you're not looking for an exit for a while. Another question that we hear quite often is how often should I be looking at these numbers? And uh, because a lot of business owners, they just you know, as you as you've said, uh, you know, a couple times uh, here uh, over the last few minutes, is is that they sometimes they just don't want to look at them. They, you know, like I'm just leaving this to somebody else. I'm gonna go out and I'm the salesperson or I'm you know whatever in, inside the business, and uh, so they kind of put themselves in that seat and they kind of ignore it. But um, how, so how often should that? I mean, is is it the business owner uh, should he or she be looking at those numbers uh, weekly, or is it kind of one of those things that they they have somebody on the team? Okay, you're responsible for the numbers. You, you deal with them? I mean, how often should they be looked at? Is that something the owner has to be involved in? Uh, what, what does that look like? Great question. So what we encourage business owners to do is to have a dashboard or some metric spreadsheet, something that tracks those five to 10 KPIs that their team either manually fills in or the numbers are automated based on other data sources like their CRM and their accounting software. We recommend that owners look at that weekly so that they can see week over week how we're doing and they can quickly identify and course correct if something's off kilter. And then to look at your actual financial statements on a monthly basis, because that's what banks, investors, people that want to buy you, equity partners, that's what those people are going to be looking at. And so, but looking at the KPIs on a weekly basis will help you make better decisions and help you run your company on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, um, we've, we've seen, especially a lot of times, business owners, uh, they kind of just manage their business by how much money do they have in the bank, which is almost uh, maybe the, the worst way to go about managing your, uh, managing your business. And, uh, but taking that next step as far as to know what numbers to look at, uh, identify those, and then uh, taking a look at those, as, as you said, um, uh, on a, at least on a weekly basis. And then certain the financials on a on a monthly basis as well. So wonderful, I appreciate it. So another um, another phrase that we hear quite often is uh, business owners should work on their business and not in their business. Yes, right. And I, I, this is very very difficult. This is something that I know um, you know for myself and you know as a um, very much the same way. I, I exited a kind of a situation that went really bad in corporate America, you know, uh, 20, 20 years ago. And um, kind of had to go and take the you know a firm that was kind of just a small little tax thing I did on the side to you know to, to 
the now at this point a business, a real business uh, a couple of decades later. But um, for so many years, I was a solopreneur and I was the owner operator. And as the business grew, it's become very, very difficult to, okay, what does that look like to kind of step away from owner operator to actually working on the business? So you hear these, we hear these terms working in the business versus working on the business. What exactly does that mean? I mean, what, what, so what does it mean to work on a business versus working in the business? Yeah, no. And that phrase is fantastic. And it's definitely spread around a lot. Michael Gerber from the E-Myth talks about it. And he says there's a difference between being a technician, which is the working in your business and the business owner, which is working on it. So um, when we talk to our clients, we try to help them understand the value of their time and the value of what they're bringing to the table. And there's a difference between when you're starting out and you're everything from the plumber to the receptionist, to the sales, to fulfillment and everything in between. And as you're growing your company, where you need to start casting vision, and that's working on your business. Make sure you're building a team that's working on your business. Fulfillment and being the technician or the expert is working in your business. And we make sure that when our clients are working in their business, they're doing tasks that are worthy of their time. And in their, people say it a lot of different ways, but their zone of genius or whatever phrase you want. But make sure that if you're doing a task in your business, it's a task that only you can do. Because too often business owners get bogged down by doing the little tasks, like making a, a graphic for a social media post when they have no business doing that because they need to be on the call, you know, closing a deal or following up with the client or those sorts of things. So it's from our perspective, it's know what you're worth and make sure that if you're working in your business, you're doing a task that's worth your time. And the things that aren't, you need to delegate or outsource and work on your business is casting vision and looking forward and being intentional about where you want to take your company. And I'm assuming, you know, kind of as a, as a fractional CFO, that's something you can kind of help. Um, so both as far as defining what those tasks should be, as well as um, how much time should be dedicated to, um, you know, when you talk, because even I think even, even with the kind of the working on your business, some of those things you even mentioned are are kind of straddle it a little yeah. bit, you know, as far as, um, so how much time should be, and, and I've and much like you probably have heard, you know, kind of different percentages, uh, you know, in, in different types of businesses and that type of thing. But once again, I kind of boiled down to specifically for that business, for that business owner, what's going to work. What's and what work stage and how, how big they are. Exactly. Sure. Um, so uh, what numbers should a business owner know and be monitor uh, and monitoring as an indicator that will move them from the profit stage to the uh, to the scale stage of business? And maybe I should preface this. You're an empire coach. Um, and of course, a, a, a dear friend of both of ours, um, uh, Eddie Wilson, had kind of put together uh, kind of the stages of business that he gets into in his uh, uh, in his empire system. Um, so I, I think many times um, when you're talking about a uh, a business just starting off, they're in that startup phase, they're trying to figure out moving to, um, to, to perseverance, to profitability, uh, that's going to look a lot different than uh, what's being measured there is going to look a lot different than moving from profitability to scale to, to legacy. Exactly. And um, so, uh, and I've had a fractional CFO on the, on the, uh, on the podcast before that kind of really focused kind of on those getting to profitability. And uh, so what we've seen a lot for a lot of our clients who've kind of moved from being that kind of that smaller six-figure business to those seven, eight, nine-plus figure businesses uh, with different visions and goals uh, that they kind of need different 
numbers to look at. They need help in different areas. So a uh, business owner is kind of, they are profitability. They've been able to sustain that. Um, and then they're really saying, okay, I'm, I'm ready to kind of grow this business. I'm ready to scale this business. Uh, what, what are some areas they should be looking at inside of their business? Sure. So there's a number of things that take you from viability, which is in the empire world, what we call profitability to scaling, which is where you rocket ship to the next level. And part of it is understanding, having a clear vision, mission, and core values that your entire team is supporting and behind. Because then when it's time to make the hard decisions or make a big investment, everyone understands why we're doing it. And it brings the culture together because as you're growing, you need people and you need people that are supporting you and your vision as the business owner. You also need to have access to capital, whether it's from reserves that you've had or outside investors or banks or some other way that if an opportunity comes along and you need to make a large investment of software, capital, you know, capital expenditure of some sort, having access to that money can make the difference between adding a zero to the top line. Another one is to increasing your profit margins. So you're not just making money, but let's work smarter, not harder. Let's increase how much money we're keeping within the company in our profit. And then also having money set aside for the oh crap moments of life, because there's a lot of businesses that didn't survive the last <laughs> COVID and the, the, because they did not have cash reserves and recession coming timeline, blah, blah, whatever cash reserves are going to help those companies that are trying to scale because they can make the decisions, they can keep the people and they can move and grow their product offering. You, um, so you talk about increasing profitability and I, I'm assuming that um, the, this item that I, I saw, uh, heard you talk about and I've seen uh, you mention is this uh, company kind of going through an expense audit. So, um, you know, we kind of think of, you know, budgets, these types of things, but what, what exactly is an expense audit? And then once a business, ha a business has an expense audit done, what practically uh, should they be doing with that information? Yeah. So when we talk about expense audit, this is an exercise that we recommend our clients do on a quarterly basis. And it's a matter of going through the last three months of bank statements, Amex, Chase cards, whatever, and looking at the expenses. Where has your money been going? Does it continue does it still need to be there? Is it a fixed cost? Is it a variable cost? When we do this exercise, we can normally find two to 10% to put to the bottom line to increase profitability because so often there's expenses that business owners are just paying because they're there that they don't recognize, do I really need that anymore? Software is a really low hanging fruit when we do these expense audits. You can save anywhere from $20 a month to $1,000 a month just by going through your software subscriptions. Do you really need all of those softwares? Do you really need that, you know, 10 licenses when you only have five people on your staff? We've had clients that have done this exercise and have come out with realizing that they have three subscriptions to Adobe. Well, they don't need three subscriptions to Adobe and it doesn't seem like much, but when you're getting hit with a $19.99 a month, three times for two years, because no one's been paying attention, it adds up. And in these expense audits, it's not about trying to find a huge leak in your company where you're just bleeding money. It's about, let's find 1% here. Let's find a half a percent here. What about 
over here? Can we cut that by 2%? And at the end of the day, it cumulatively makes a significant impact to the bottom line. So there's lots of areas when you do this exercise where you can be like, why am I still paying for that? I don't need that anymore. And then you can also go negotiate with your vendors that you're loyal to and say, hey, we've been working together for three years. You know, you're a preferred vendor for this, blah, blah, blah. And we're doing an expense audit. Wanted to see if there was anything you could do to help us cut our costs. We did that narrative with one of our clients and they went, they um, are e-commerce and they went to their warehouse and said that almost word for word. And they got 18% shaved off of their warehousing fees all because they asked. And this is something that unless you stop and like, okay, let me add 5% to the bottom line. Let's go through here. Cut, cut, cut. Let's have a conversation. Most business owners just keep working and don't pay attention that look, there's money on the table if you go through and look for it. Every business owner is going to exit uh, his or her business at some point. Uh, you know, it's either going to be through death or maybe you, you know, you sell the business or you just, you know, decide to retire and close the business down. But for a business owner that's looking uh, eventually to sell their business, and um, you know it, it's something that um, you know that, that I think that's a good option as far as on an exit. But uh, but for a business owner that's looking eventually to sell their business, what should the business owner be monitoring and managing to increase the value of their company? Sure, there's lots of variables and lots of things that impact the value of your company. One thing that we encourage our business owners to do is build a team where everything is not reliant on you. Because if you are the business, the business is not sellable. It needs to be, you need to have a team in place that can run it without you. Otherwise, all your, no one's going to come in and say, yes, here's a check for your business. Another is to have systems and processes that are repeatable. And so you need to make sure that if something happens, someone else can come in and pick up the ball and run with it. So people processes, another is profitability. People buy your cash flow, And so anything that you can do as you're wanting to exit to be, um, keep money in your company, to increase your prices, to decrease your costs will ultimately help you walk away for a higher valuation. Another thing is to figure out what IP or sp specific niche or trademark or whatever other assets you have that are going to add value to your company. And if you don't have one of those, is there something that you know that others don't that you can create into trademarkable IP? Because that adds multiples when you exit. Interesting. So a few different things to, to kind of look at. Um, one, one final question and then to make a, some, some, final, uh, some final comments here. But um, you've worked in, this is a question I have asked uh, every guest that I've had on the podcast. And and I've uh, gotten a kind of variety of different answers, um, but uh, you've worked with entrepreneurs from those operating as a startup uh, to those running a profitable seven, eight, nine plus figure business. What are the top reasons uh, that you've seen that a business either succeeds or fails? Sure. Um, I'll start with the fails first. Um, unfortunately, too often I see business owners using their company uh, to fund their lifestyle and they use the company as a personal piggy bank. And in multiple ways that's dangerous. And so as you're growing and you're wanting to exit or you want outside money, if you're using your company to fund your lifestyle and your jet ski is on there and your dog is on payroll and all the, you know, all five of your cars and your girlfriend and your aunt and all these things, all of that's being run through the company. It can get very hairy when you're trying to get outside funding to justify 
those costs. So our caution is separate your company and your personal and run them separate and not intertwined. Your company can 100% support your lifestyle, but take the money out of the company and put it into your personal and then go and have fun. And one thing that I've seen business owners um, and entrepreneurs that really helps them to succeed is to look ahead. A lot of times business owners just put their head down and are just grinding and grinding. And that's great. But if, if you look ahead and you know where you're going, you can help get there and you can get to that exit or get to that legacy play or significance or whatever it is for you. Because if you just put your head down and work, you won't scale, you won't get to succession. A lot of wonderful information, Pam. Uh, as we kind of wrap this up, how, if somebody wants to work with you or wants to get in touch with you, uh, what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you and your company? Sure. Simply just go to pamjordan.com and all my information is there. We'd love to talk to anyone that we can help. Wonderful. And we'll put that information in the, uh, in the show notes as well. I appreciate for all of you that listen and take a few minutes to listen in today. Hopefully uh, there's been at least one takeaway, something, uh, and, and Pam gave us a lot of uh, just practical information, information that we can take and really kind of implement right away. I encourage all of us in our business. I know that I uh, mentally uh, jotted down a few things here and I will uh, I'll do so after the podcast uh, and things that I, I know I need to do. Uh, kind of even operating, not exactly in the same space, but in a similar space. And you know, I know that you encourage me to, um, uh, to to do a few things here on uh, on this end of things. So uh, this is, once again, this is Josh Belk with Belk on Business Podcast. Had Pam Jordan with us uh, today. And once again, Pam, thank you very much for joining us. Have a wonderful day.